0: Aloha, y'all. Welcome to Healing and Hustling. We're living our best life on Maui, and we're here to help you live your very best life. I'm Kimberly. I'm obsessed with helping people reach their full potential. I help you land your dream job faster while making more money than ever before. Think of me as your career resume and LinkedIn ninja. I also am a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert.
1: Hi, I'm Donna. Love and laughter are my superpowers. I love to help people take themselves a little less seriously,
0: find some grace and mercy for
1: themselves while having a little bit of fun. My gifts are Reiki, breath meditation, and life coaching.
0: Together, we're here to help make you laugh, inspire you, and have real talk about life. Welcome back to Healing and Hustling. Today, we are going to talk about a difficult but important topic. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about grief and how grief shows up in your life and the different ways that you might potentially experience grief. We talked about this a little bit during the holidays because we shared that obviously holidays can be really difficult for a lot of people because of, you know, family drama and all the things, having lost parents, having lost family members. Um, we talked about, you know, Bilum. how challenging, Bilum. what? be alone. Yep. How challenging it was for the first couple years after christopher donna's brother passed away um, and so today we wanted to sort of expand on that we um, have recently experienced some other grief in our life mm-hmm. i um, lost my job i got laid off from the company that i was with a major technology company based out of nashville lost that position after having been with them for almost a decade and having built their diversity equity and inclusion program from the ground up and Establishing 11 really great, robust employee resource groups, all of their training, and just sort of the the pain that came along with that. And so we'll talk about that. And then uh, we recently had to help our dog, Loki, over the Rainbow Bridge. She was 20 years old and um, lived a good life. And we just had to, um, it got to the point where we had to make that decision. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And then other ways in which people maybe experience grief and how they process that grief. So um, I'll start by talking about my experience with the company that I was working for and sort of what I went through and where that's led me to today. Interesting for me is that prior to having worked at this company, I worked at another company for 13 years and they shipped my department to Bratislava, which is somewhere near Russia, if you're not sure. And, um, you know, that was super devastating, too, because, of course, been there for 13 years and um, each each experience was a little bit different because, you know, in that scenario, they basically said, we'll give you a good um, 90, 120 days to find something else. We feel high level of confidence that we can find you something else if you want it. Uh, But having been there for 13 years, it was a really great severance package And I knew I sort of had grew my career as much as I could there without moving. And so I actually just took a leap of faith and said, you know what, while this is very painful that this is happening to me, I think this is gonna be a great opportunity. And it was very scary because I'm very risk averse. But I took a leap of faith and ultimately, it was during that time period that I started my first side hustle, which was the Tate of Mind Consulting doing Uh, resumes, LinkedIn, optimization. And then, you know, ultimately, I found another full-time position, which is the company that I was at for almost a decade. But man, when you talk about sucker punch, I mean, I knew that the health of the company was not great. I knew that they had made, in my opinion, a couple of really really terrible decisions in terms of mark mergers and our acquisitions. And it became pretty evident the company was bleeding out a lot of money and making terrible decisions that ultimately led to them um, not being on track to hit their number. And they lost um, another major client that they had under their belt for a long time. And so I knew layoffs were probably coming. I just in a million years, as much as I had done for that company, never thought that my name was going to be on that list. And the SVP of HR actually personally called me to tell me um, because he wanted me to hear it from him. And he wanted to sort of express to me that, you know, it was not performance-based and and was in no way related to any of the contributions that I had made, but rather was just sort of a a reorganization. And I would later learn that the company divested pretty significantly in HR, in diversity, equity, inclusion, learning and development, talent, attraction, outreach, um, to the point where, you know, they, um, had their chief diversity officer step down. And now that role is being completely, it's like, it's not being backfilled. They've done away with it. And now they just sort of have another business leader doing this sort of off the side of their desk. And, um, they're not, you know, they're not going to hire a chief human resource or excuse me, a chief diversity officer, which I, I think says everything it needed to say about that company. And it, it was sort of a blessing in disguise that I ended up being one of the people that they let go because I, I can't I can't imagine working for a, a short sighted company like that. The, the minute the going gets tough and you're not hitting your number, you're going to completely divest in your people like that seems to me like counterintuitive. Like, why wouldn't you take a hit to save your people? You know. Um, But I mean, like, that's one kind of grief where, man, you spend so much time at work, like you spend so much time at work. And I think most of us take a lot of pride and put a lot of value in our careers. And so a lot of us work till six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. Uh, A lot of us work weekends, we take on extra projects, and then we get rewarded with extra, extra projects, even though we're not being compensated for those things. And, and then to be told one day, like, hey, thanks for playing, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I mean, I, 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 there's very few things in my life that I felt a little ill prepared for. And that was definitely one of them. I just did not see it coming. And it felt a lot like divorce. It felt a lot like I just found out that my spouse had cheated on me because I didn't see it coming. I thought we had a great relationship. I thought we were going to be together for another 20 years. Um, you know, and so then for them to be like, Hey, we don't even have the foresight. As talented as you are, as much as you've contributed to our company, we don't even have like the thought leadership to find somewhere for you to be, even if it's temporary until we figure this out. Right? Like, man, Um, I'd I'd love Donna to hear, you know, what are maybe some other ways that in your life you've experienced grief that was really hard to navigate?
1: Um, I mean, I've been let go of with the company, but I mean, that was a God thing. I was not supposed to be there because I was miserable. Um, so I can't really, I'm just a major griever. I really am. Um, I grieve hard and I used to be a person that tried to shove it down for a really long time when I was younger. And I just can't do that anymore. I won't allow myself to do that because if I did try to push it down, it's just going to come out. Like the grief is going to come out of me at the most awkward moment ever. And I just rather grieve, you know, like just let it all out. And Sometimes I think, okay, well, maybe I'm over it, and then something happens, and I'm like, nope, here I am. I'm over here crying in a corner again. There is no grief in my, in my mind. There is no grief than losing someone or something. It's difficult because we love so much. And, you know, the first one was my brother, and that was difficult. It was very difficult. It's still difficult. Even though it's been several years, sometimes I still wake up and want to call him and talk to him. Or, like, I just can't believe he's gone. Still, whenever I grieve, like, you know, losing Loki after 20 years. I had that dog for 20 years. That's a large chunk of my life that that dog was in it. And... I know that it comes a time to, you know, where we're supposed to lose them. And she did. She fought really hard to stay. It's just she couldn't walk anymore. Like, her back legs just turned into rubber. And I tried to postpone it as much as I could because I knew it was going to hurt. Because no one wants to hurt. It's not what we go for. And if you do, you might need some therapy. But I I knew. Like, I told Loki... Like a year ago, you let me know when you're ready. And I could tell that she was ready because Loki was an eater. Like she's always like gobbled up her food. And I always said, if she stops eating, it's time. And she stopped eating. And we were trying anything to get her to eat, you know, when we fed her stuff. And she started throwing it back up. And, you know, it was was not pretty on the other end either and so I knew I had to make this decision. And I knew it was gonna be really tough for me to do it. And it's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. Because even though I love God, I don't want to play God. hmm I I don't I don't ever want to play God because I would be sad all the time if I had to do that and it is it's just really tough it's really tough as you can see I'm still grieving.
0: yeah I mean it's um uh, first of all I say I say this all the time that I like pets more than I like people generally speaking and so like I have such um, a close relationship with our animals and I mean I think a lot of people do like I mean for me our animals are a part of our family like they are our children um and i would argue that i love my children as much as you love your human children like i love our babies and so losing a baby like that is really hard i mean like you said you know you had her for 20 years i had her for about 10 of those 20 um but when you think about it and you, in terms of your life like that's almost like a, a whole third of your life mm-hmm. that she was around yeah. right yeah.
1: um
0: and it's hard to watch like we since she has passed we've watched videos of her when she was younger and you know, it's hard to watch as you watch their health decline. She used to run out in the yard and do zoomies. And I mean, she, I mean, I don't even, she was like a banshee. She would just go out the door. I don't know where she thought she was going, but she was running for somewhere. And, you know, Donna first found her out in a, a field or I think it was it Carrie that found Loki yeah. or did you?
1: No, um, I guess one of the doctors that she worked with, I guess Loki showed up. On their farm.
0: That's it. So she was like, she came from like living on the farm or somewhere around. I don't know where she came from, but she just ended up there. Yeah. Yeah. And so she would just like, God forbid, if you ever opened the front door and she somehow managed to get out, I mean. She would run like a cheetah. She would. Like, it's it's almost like she thought, like she knew where she was going. I don't know where she was going,
1: but. Yeah. She ran faster than anybody I've ever seen in my life. I mean, she would take off and up the back.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember Michael, uh, one of our really good friends, um, he had his sister and his mom stayed with us for a period of time. And this was the middle of winter. And, I mean, this kid was really physically fit. And he was a teenager at the time. And she got out the door. And, man, he, like, hoofed it. He didn't have shoes on.
1: He was was
0: hoofing it. And I'm telling you, she went, like, a freaking half a mile in, like, less than five minutes. It was insane. It was insane. And he was, like... He ended up so out of breath and he was, he's like running in the middle of winter with like no shoes on. I think he had a short sleeve shirt on. He ended up with pleurisy Yep, run out in the cold weather, but God bless him. He caught her, but he didn't catch her.
1: He ran into someone's backyard and Loki was running in front of him and a deer came out of nowhere and it scared the shit out of her. So she just like just
0: fell fell over. over. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the deer. That's right. Um, But I I mean, you know, I think with pets specifically, it's really hard when you have to make the decision because you don't want to play God. It's like, have I waited too long? Have I been cruel and have I held on to the pet for my own good? Or, you know, am I calling the ball too soon? And maybe they've got a little bit left in them. And I think it's no matter how you slice and dice it, it's really hard. You've got to try to, as much as you can, not shame yourself, give yourself grace and mercy, make the very best decision that you can. And I think you just got to ask yourself the question like we did, you know, am I hanging on for me or am I hanging on for the animal? Like does the animal actually have a quality of, of life left? And unfortunately, Loki had gotten to the place where, um, she, though she still smiled and she still tried to walk and she still, you know, she wanted to hang on. Um, it was pretty clear to us that the actual quality of her life was pretty diminished. And so we had to make the the difficult decision to help her cross the rainbow bridge and, You know, I think both with Christopher and with Loki, they have shown us signs that they're still with us multiple times, multiple different ways. Um, And so, though it's still really painful and we wish we could be in person with them, we're grateful for those signs that they send us to um, not remove the pain altogether, but at least alleviate it and make it not quite as unbearable.
1: Yeah, because that's the hard part is physically letting go of them. And that was the hard part as well was... You know, I held Loki as she went, and the lady told me she said, "I think we're gonna have to give her more shots because your connection is so deep with each other that she's not going to let go." And that tore me to pieces. you know, and it it makes you think like she was fighting so hard to stay here for me, and that made me feel horrible, horrible that she was doing that for me. And so I just said, It's okay. CRISPR's waiting on you. It's okay to go. I'll be okay. I promise.
0: I think that one thing that we did this time that um, I personally have not experienced previously, and I I don't think you have either, is knowing how much her health had sort of declined and how quickly it had declined, we made the decision to spend a little more money and have um, somebody come in our home. So instead of bringing her to the vet, which we felt like would stress her out even more and for her to have to go in a unfamiliar place, um, we paid extra for service to come to the house and it was every, it was worth every single penny because the vet we used was fantastic. She was so human and so kind and so compassionate and empathetic. And she walked us through every step of what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. Um, she explained everything they were just fantastic. And so if you end up in a situation where it's time for you to make that sort of decision, I highly recommend you look at, um, in-home solutions because uh, I feel like though it was really difficult to do, I I felt like it was the, it was the best outcome considering the circumstances and what was going to happen. Right. What, um, what are other ways, Donna, that you see, people grieve? Like what are things that people grieve over in their
1: life? I mean, it could be anything, you know, it could be grieving a situation, you know, or maybe someone made a mistake and they're grieving through it, you know, because they can't go back and fix it. I mean, there's so many different variables to grief. You know, I think that probably for a lot of people, you know, the Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, I think a lot of people have grief because they're grieving someone that they no longer have in their life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether physically not there or just emotionally not there, you know, and it's tough. It's really tough. You know, you started as a kid and everything is good and golden, and then all of a sudden here you are and everything's changed. And that's the thing. I think change can bring on grief, you know, um, missing people, you know, animals family members that you don't get to see as much as you want to or friends that you're missing. I mean, there's so many different variables of grief. It's not just about losing someone or something. It can be losing a part of yourself. You know, it could be anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what you made me think of just then was like, I think about how I have changed the friends that I have in my life over time. Like, it it became pretty apparent to me that some of the friendships that I held on to for a long time were not very healthy, right? And some of those people I have loved very much, and I still love, but I had to grieve that relationship knowing, like, hey, it's healthier for me to let this go so that I can be the healthiest version of myself. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Like, you got to grieve that relationship and mourn. Letting that go, or or the way in which that relationship evolves or expires, right? right? And I think the same is true when you said change. Like, I don't think anyone likes change, whether that's changing of a job, even if it's something like moving moving houses, right? Like, there was some part of grieving involved in moving to Hawaii. And I know a lot of people are like, "What the hell is wrong with you? What 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 kind of grieving are you going to do moving to Hawaii? Like, you're the luckiest bastards in the universe, right?" Mm-hmm. And while that is true, we are incredibly blessed and and fortunate to have been able to make this happen. Um, At the same time, like I had a lot of grief about letting go of the house in Mount Juliet because I loved the house so much. And we had so many beautiful memories there and we had remodeled it twice and we had such a gorgeous big backyard. And, you know, we knew that with moving here, you know, the plus side is it's sunny all the time. But you're sort of like I mean, we mourned. We had Ozzy, the, um, groundhog or, uh, um, yeah, groundhog, right. He came every single year for years, like every single year Ozzy was there. Uh, We
1: think,
0: well, we think it was Ozzy. We're pretty sure it's Ozzy. Um, and so like, I really was sad about not seeing Ozzy again, or, you know, I had this, I had bird feeders and I had this one blue jay that would always come see me. And he had sort of like a, he had crooked feathers on his wing and a little nubby. And so, like, he would always come see me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's my, you know, blue jay. Um and okay. Buddy. Buddy. And then we had um, deer. We had raccoons. We even had skunks that came up to the house. Like, we had a lot of pets at the house. And so, like, I really grieved over, like, we're not going to see them yeah, anymore. Opossums possums, too. Oh, possums, too. Yeah, I'm telling you, we had a lot of farm life there at the is. house. A lot. Bunnies. We had everything. Um, but there was grief in that, like just the, the sheer transition of, we moved away from friends, we moved away from family. We knew that it would be way more difficult to get back because we're so isolated. Um, you know, so I think that's grief. And then I think grief is also, um, you know, some grief we have over relationships where we lose someone, like we physically lose someone to afterlife, whether that's a pet or a person. And then we have friendships that sort of fall by the wayside. But then I also think there's just, really difficult relations that we have trouble navigating and getting what we want and, and need out of those relationships. Right. I mean, I haven't made it a secret that I have a really challenging relationship with my parents and it's, it's really sad because I think we both want the same thing. We, we love each other. Um, but for whatever reason, we just have a really hard time. Um, just, loving one another in a way that's respectful and healthy and we all get what we need out of it Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people struggle with that because they don't end up with some of the relationships they'd like to have and so you have to sort of mourn like but this is what i've got or hey this like this isn't i have to walk away from this you know again to be the healthiest version of myself that i i can be
1: but be patient with yourself too because The grieving is an ongoing process. It's not something where you just rip the bandaid off and you're like, I'm good. You know, I think grieving is important. And I think it comes out of nowhere sometimes because we think we're not allowed to grieve and the length of how we're grieving maybe is too much for people. Um, So it's really easy for us to just shove it down and put a smile on your face, you know, and, so that no one else is concerned about how long you're grieving. And I think, I mean, I still grieve. I still grieve over my brother. You know, I just think it's part of love. It's part of loving someone. And I can't put an expiration date on it. I won't put an expiration date on it because it needs to come out when it when it wants to. Sometimes it's not the best times, but... It is what it is. And I shouldn't be ashamed of feeling sad.
0: I agree. And so as we wrap, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think are some some best practices or takeaways that you would say to someone in terms of like, as you're in the middle of grief, or if you know someone who's grieving, like what are some really great best practices?
1: You mean for yourself or the other person?
0: Either one. Like, So for example, um, if you're grieving, maybe it's like, Find different ways to, to self-care, right? Doing some yoga, uh, maybe some breath work, some Reiki, or...
1: I mean, there's that, but also cry it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing more cathartic than crying it out. Like, let it out. Breathing is great, don't get me wrong, but that's part of grieving is the breathing. You know, let yourself be vulnerable and... And let it out, because if you don't, sometimes it festers in there, and that's the last thing you want. But I am a uber-sensitive person, uber-sensitive, and I used to, you know, push that stuff down all the time. And I don't anymore, because I know it needs to come out. And when it shows up, I allow it to happen. If it makes other people uncomfortable, they can leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's about you, not you making everybody else feel okay. So that would be my prescription as far as that goes. Let that shit out. Let it out. Cry it out as long as you need to. And that way, you're going to be much lighter, you know, for the next scenario that happens. But let it out. Don't push it down. It never works out if you push it down.
0: Yeah. And I would say on top of that, you know, give yourself grace and mercy. Um, You know, a lot of times when you're, when you're grieving, I think it's easy to be like, I should be beyond this now. And, you know, everybody else has sort of moved on and, you know, like, like no two people grieve the same way. We all have our own way of approaching grief and how we best need to process it in order to keep us healthy. And so like, don't compare yourself to other people and how they grieve and, and don't judge yourself on how long it takes you to grieve and get through something because there's some grief that will dissipate over time, but, but to some degree, it's always going to be there, right? It, it may not be as prevalent. It may not be as painful, but there's some stuff like, like you said, you don't just lose your brother and then like, oh, well, you know, two years have passed. I'm good now. Like, like wow, well, I've moved on. I never think about him anymore and I'm totally healed from him passing. Like, that's right. just, that's not how it works, right?
1: That's only how it works for robots.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or maybe in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I would say is like on the other side, like if you know people that are grieving- I would say, you know, reach out to them, ask if there's anything that you can do to help, you know, volunteer to help them, whether that's making a meal, starting a meal train, helping them with groceries. Um, it could be, you know, and, and don't just check out on it happens because I think a lot of times, like especially if someone loses someone or they loses a pet, everyone has like an outpouring within the first 24 to 72 hours and then everyone sort of goes home or everyone stops paying attention and then you're left with your grief and no one's really checking on you. Yeah, And so I think like, Check on people often, like often through the process and, and just see like, hey, how you doing? Anything else you need from me? I wanted to send you some encouraging words. Um, so any other last minute advice as we wrap for the day? Have grace and mercy for yourself, people. Grace and mercy. That's there right. is no timetable That's for right. grief. Be gentle with yourselves and know that you are loved. You are loved. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and week. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Check us out at DonnaHeals.com and tativemindconsulting.com. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and give us a review. Until next time, keep healing and hustling.